I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey, Mr. Binks, you know you love miniature schnauzers. In fact, you've got quite a few bestie friends that are miniature schnauzers, including Pepper, who belongs to Genevieve Fox, who we did that fabulous piece in The Observer magazine with not so long ago. Anyway, we're about to jump on Zoom to chat to Janetta Harvey, who is the founder of Schnauzer Fest. Janetta has rehabilitated a little miniature schnauzer from the landmark BBC documentary on puppy farming. Welcome, Janetta Harvey. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Hi, thanks for having me. No, it's a real pleasure, actually, because schnauzers have been on my radar the last few days. As I noticed, it was National Schnauzer Day, um, the day before yesterday, I think. Am I right? Yes, it was. Yes, the first ever inaugural National Schnauzer Day. And was that organised by yourself? No, it wasn't. It was organised by a friend of mine, Nadia, who runs a really sweet um, small home business and has supported um, Schnauzer Fest since I think she's been supporting us since 2015 she came up with the idea and it was such a massive success on social media it was I'm really pleased for her it was a lot of fun I think it's great you know because you know everyone has their breed and your breed is of course the the mini schnauzer that has become encapsulated in the annual schnauzer fest yep so tell us a bit more about that. And, you know, it reminds me of the Oktoberfest, which, of course, is, isn't that the German beer drinking um, <laughs> festival? It is. It is. Schnauzerfest actually incorporates all the breeds of schnauzers. So we've got the mini schnauzers, which is, are the ones which um, I'm particularly known for, um, standard schnauzers and the giant schnauzers. And Schnauzerfest is now a registered charity, but it hasn't always been. It started... Actually, it was inspired, or the name of it was inspired by Oktoberfest. But we actually started in 2014 as a fundraiser to um, celebrate really being out walking with our schnauzers and to raise money for rescue dogs. Um, In particular, I'm committed to raising awareness and money for dogs which are saved from the breeding industry, also known as puppy farming. And Schnauzerfest just became a phenomenon um, which really took me and everyone that's been involved with it from the start by surprise it just we started as groups of friends just gathering over an October weekend um, around the country organizing walks with each other and collecting a few donations Um, in the first year that we did it um, which we which began from nothing we raised over eight thousand pounds which was just extraordinary when you think it's from walking our dogs So it became something that people really, an idea that people got behind and they enjoyed basically being out with their schnauzers. We've always had other dogs support us as well. Very often people will have a schnauzer and another dog, of course. Um, And in 2019, really because we were raising so much money every year, I mean, we've raised, before we became a registered charity, we'd raised over a quarter of a million pounds from walking our dogs. Gosh. Which is just an extraordinary amount. I mean, the support that Schnauzerfest has always gathered has just been phenomenal. I think people are very passionate about Schnauzers, particularly the minis have obviously become 
more and more popular as dogs have become more and more popular but they're they're an interesting breed because their their heritage if you like is quite mixed you know with terriers Mm -hmm. and hounds obviously Mm -hmm. they're they're very much a German breed so that's that um, nice connection with the Oktoberfest but your journey with the mini schnauzer started with was it Annabelle Susie Bell. Susie Bell. Explain a bit more about Susie Bell and, you know, the journey she really has pointed you to follow. Yeah, sure. Susie Bell was my first adopted miniature schnauzer. I adopted her when my first dog, uh, Jasmine, died. She was a miniature schnauzer as well. I've always only ever owned miniature schnauzers, although I do kind of think I should branch out now. (laughs) (laughs) But they're such an adorable, slightly addictive breed of dog. They are such characters that once you have a miniature schnauzer in your life, it is kind of like hard to think of your life as not having a miniature schnauzer. Um, But Susie Bell was my first adopted um, dog and she came from a puppy farmed background. She was a breeding dog. Um, And when I adopted her, I knew a little bit about puppy farming, but living with a dog who has been harmed by the breeding industry absolutely opened my eyes to what a horrific business it is. And as soon as I kind of realized the depth of harm that's done to dogs, I knew that I had to do something more than just adopt Susie, but I had to campaign, I had to raise awareness. And because I've written in the past, I've written books before I got into this field, I started a blog and people became interested in um, the life that I was sharing with Susie Bell and the problems that she shared, that she was displaying and the kind of way that we adapted our life around a dog who had never lived in a home. She'd never lived with a family. Um, she knew nothing really about being a dog, a normal dog. And from the blog, I started to write a bit more and it eventually became my first book, which was Saving Susie Bell. And um, she really inspired in me something that it's hard to kind of explain, I think, to, to many people, but she, she, we only shared four years together before she died. She died in 2015, but it's like she's still with me every single day. Every day I, I spend trying to develop Schnauzer Fest, trying to raise awareness of puppy farming, trying to help uh, rescues with their enormous, at times, veterinary bills, which come when they take in dogs from the puppy farm industry. It's all done very much with Susie Bell sat on my shoulder. Um, and it's really hard to explain because I'm actually quite a logical, logical person. And even I'm kind of like amazed at the impact that one dog can have on a person. Um, she changed my life. She absolutely changed my life. And um, everything I do for Schnauzer Fest and with Schnauzer Fest is done in her memory. And yet it was 10 years ago that I adopted her and six years ago that she died. I mean, it's just extraordinary the impact a dog can have. Well, gosh, you know, I, I certainly can relate to that. And I think it's actually oh, so lovely of you to, you know, admit that. And I don't think it's that unusual. I think, you know, they say that you have one heart dog that totally smashes your heart into tiny fragments. And then all the other dogs that you take in in your life heal your heart until you die with the heart of a dog, which... Uh, so, so, so true. And so when, when you took her on, also I think when you rehabilitate a dog, I think a lot, a lot of people feel, you know, we must have a puppy 
you know, we must, you know, begin with a clean slate. People are resident, resident sometimes to take on a rescue because of some baggage, you know, that might be lurking that people have to work with. But, you know, explain how rewarding it is, you know, to rehabilitate a dog. I've got no, no professional training at all. But knowing that just trying to show a dog what it is to be loved, to show a dog what it is to feel happy for the first time in their life is just the most rewarding thing. And I, before I adopted Susabella, I would never have imagined that I would be able to feel the way I do about adopting dogs and how passionate I am about people doing it for the right reasons. And which is to me for the dog, you should be there for the dog. And whatever the demands that that entails on you as an individual person, I think you really owe it to the dog that you adopt, even or not even a, just a dog that's adopted. Whenever we bring a dog into our life, we really owe it the loyalty and the dedication that they show us um, throughout their life. I mean, dogs are so dependent on us for absolutely everything. When you rehabilitate a dog, the rewards are so immense that it's 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 extremely hard to express really how rewarding it is to see a dog who's so harmed by human beings before they come to you or events in their life and then you watch them flourish you watch them grow you watch them become the dog that they should always really have been and that's especially the case with puppy farm dogs who come with baggage because they've never known what it is to actually be themselves they've always just been a commodity they've never had a name they've never had a life They've never, they've just been there for their fertility to make somebody some money. And it's just, I mean, the, the industry is awful. And to see a dog actually blossom in your company, even if it never truly heals, even if they still retain many of the problems, it is extremely rewarding. And it's something that I can't imagine myself not doing, to be quite honest. No, I can really relate to that. But you must be heartened by, you know, some steps, let's say baby steps to, mm-hmm. you know, curb puppy farming, because a lot has been done. It's taken a, a huge amount of campaigning, you know, for Mark Abraham, vet Mark Abraham to get Lucy's law passed as legislation, which will go some way, I think, to to curb the terrible cruelty that goes on in this mass production. But this week, actually, I spotted a piece in uh, the Daily Mail, but it is actually about exposing the the cause of so many puppies certainly coming into the UK, which is, you know, Ireland. Ireland is really the centre of the the puppy farming industry. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Ireland's not known for animal welfare, particularly Mm -hmm. for any animals, whether it's a horse or chicken or a pig or whatever, which I find kind of weird in this modern age, particularly Mm -hmm. as our government is standing up for animals in a big way at the moment, not least with Lucy's Law. But yeah, the expose is is staggering, the amount of dogs that are actually shipped in illegally into the UK from Ireland. So the hope is that this piece, I mean, it's fresh, it's very new this week, will actually help some change to happen. But the thing is, like anything that's um, a bit underground, you know, you're dealing with not very nice people. (laughs) The industry is, is riddled with criminality and it has been for many years. It's just got worse. I mean, I've been writing about it now 
since I adopted Susie Bell, really, since 2011, the industry has got worse. It's all the changes that, that um, appear to be hoping to make a difference are making very little difference when it comes to the breeding dogs. They really, the, the amount of money that there is to be made now from puppies far outstrips any measures that are currently are being, that are, that are in place or are being talked about by being in place. I mean, there is a whole industry-wide um, need for real measures, real attention to right across from all the supply chain. And until that's really brought in, it's kind of tinkering around the edges a little bit. Um, I mean, the pandemic definitely worsened and escalated a lot of the problems, but the problems were already there and they're continuing. I mean, it's just horrible. It's just a really depressing, depressing state. I try to be optimistic. And one of the great things about Schnatzfest, which I think is one of the reasons that we gain so much support and we have such a great community, is that we do focus on the positive side of owning dogs and living with dogs and celebrating our lives with dogs. Um, because there's so much miserable stuff when it comes to the puppy industry and so much cruelty that you can become really jaded. And I really fight that in myself. I really try to remain optimistic and not become very um, despondent about the future for, for dogs. But at the moment, in the, well, in the 10 years I've been really focusing on it in an amateur way, I've seen no improvement, which is depressing, really depressing. It is. I've seen things worse and ruining. Well, it ruins lives, um, humans' lives, as well as, of course, torture for the dogs over many years. But I'm hoping that ban puppy imports, you know, the, the petition that was lobbied at government that will be changing legislation to make puppies not able to come into the UK until they're six months of age. I do think that that... Yeah. could be the answer to be honest because no um unscrupulous money-making breeder will keep a puppy for six months cost too much money and take up too much space to make them viable i think one of the things that, that a serious a serious approach has to do though is to is to really look at all aspects of the trade because ban banning puppy imports is definitely definitely something that needs to be done and it should have been done when they brought in lucy's law it was it was identified in the consultation there as being a loophole that needed to be closed. But one of the things that, that the dealers and the puppy farmers are very good at is always being ahead of any proposed legislation. So what they're doing now, and it's known they do, they just, they just ship across the pregnant females. So that, they're, then they're just put into fake family homes to give birth to their litters. And, you've, and then the, the dogs are destroyed after that. So that really still is not, is not really going to end the suffering in the way that a whole a whole broad range of measures that are brought in at once they all have to be kind of like brought in together otherwise you close a loophole and another opens yeah uh, yeah because there's so much money to be made in it that the people involved in the industry are not going to give it up easily no it's it's ridiculous i mean you know in this piece it was saying you know since lockdown things have gone crazy by things I mean prices and the money that people can make now yeah. from dogs which I find really distasteful it's to be terrible. honest I mean four French bulldogs apparently have the street value of a kilo of cocaine you know which is yeah. it's, it's madness even yeah. to say that yeah, you, yeah. you know so and I really hope 
for future generations, really, who, you know, might want to own a dog, that the, the prices will go down again, because certainly, you know, it, it, it's unaffordable now, really. And, and really decent people now can't actually get dogs who they would love for their whole life, because the money now is just crazy. Exactly. I mean, my, my view is all the time you've got an industry and it is an industry. It's a horrible word to use when we're talking about our companions, but it is an industry. Um, and all the time you've got the money that's being made at the moment in it. It's very hard to see how things are going to improve. You've got to really take the money out of it. There should not be this kind of money that can be made um, from dogs. It's just wrong. Just very wrong. It is wrong. It is wrong. But unfortunately, you know, this is the human condition, you know, the human condition is you know, motivated by ego and greed. Um, and, and, but the whole dog world now, you know, you're, you're seeing all of this with vets, for example, as well. You know, I know that the RVC in Camden, for example, you know, it's typical of many vet practices now, simply can't take on any more clients mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there aren't enough vets to go around to look after the amount of dogs that have hit the UK so that's a worry you know if you do have an emergency you can't actually get to see a vet and also their prices are going up and up and up and linking in with insurance and then the premiums are going up so I, I feel quite despondent really about the future of dog ownership which is such such a shame such a shame Janetta I mean how is it because you're in France, aren't you at the moment? So we are transatlantic here on the dog's life. <laughs> or trans channel. <laughs> yes, trans channel. That's probably a better way of saying it. Yes, well done. <laughs> so what's it like in France? I mean, has France seen this puppy boom? Um, I do you know, I haven't seen signs of it. It's, I mean, there, I think there's been an element of it in some of the French news. I've seen it, little bits of it, but nothing like it. I think there is just a, a slightly different approach to to dogs here I mean there, there are puppy farms there are issues of animal cruelty definitely um but to, to go back to your thing about the the veterinary charges and the, the situation with vets that's a real difference between living here in France and, and the UK um they're just I mean I have I've got four dogs and I don't think about the veterinary bills as being a major issue here because they're just not it's really? I don't know whether it's because insurance have uh, pet insurance is not commonly used here but or I mean, I mean I think there are many factors but I think that's one of it and also the corporate nature of the veterinary profession hasn't yet hit France so I mean it, it it's a fraction of the cost to in terms of veterinary care here definitely in the part of France we live in yes because you're where are you exactly we're in, we're in southwest France in the Dordogne really rural area um and I think that does make a bit of a difference in terms of, of, of how dogs are viewed. We're in a really fortunate position, I think, because where we live, it's really quiet. So to have four dogs who are quite reactive, even my non-puppy farmed rescue dog, Renee, who I've had since a puppy, so she really has no excuse. <laughs> I love <laughs> she that, Renee. <laughs> she could be quite uh, she could be quite reactive to dogs and people and living where we do it, it does make it quite easy because a we don't really see many dogs and people um but French people around and about our area they 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 don't sort of fret about dogs in the same way that you sometimes see in the UK or we certainly saw in we used to live in the in the southeast of England very busy part of the UK um and 
people were a lot more edgy if dogs say for example would go up to them here it's it's a different story so it's quite a different life here that we can offer the dogs than we could in the UK mm, I think there's many factors for that so how dog friendly is it around in the Dordoy and are you able to take the dogs to restaurants and enjoy the cafe society with them yeah yeah not that we do but <laughs> it, yeah. Definitely. I mean, there just is not the restrictions on, on dogs. We, we noticed there's it, I, definitely in our last few years of living in the UK before we moved here full time, there was definitely more, I wouldn't say anti-dogs sort of feeling, but there was definitely more restrictions around dogs and just general, uh, I don't know, lack of friendliness sometimes towards people with dogs or dogs being in places, which we don't encounter here. It's really different here. You can walk them into, into restaurants quite happily and they are welcomed. Um, we go out in our camper van quite a lot around and about and wherever we stop, the dogs are welcomed. And they're kind of a nice talking point. I mean, I know like four miniature schnauzers, getting out of a camper van would look, <laughs> would be a talking point for anywhere we were. Um, but it, there's just a much more friendly vibe here in France really towards dogs. It's interesting to compare, you know, London, because it wasn't dog friendly at all mm -hmm. back in 2002. And now, you know, everybody is you know, jumping on the hound pound. John Lewis now lets dogs in nationwide, for example. Liberties allows dogs in and their owners, you know, because what with 53% of the population owning a dog now, it's a, a sensible entrepreneurial thing to do to maximise the hound pound. But you see Paris, because I lived in Paris in 1990 to 1992, mm -hmm. it was so dog friendly. I just loved it. It was like, I was a bit homesick at times, missing London and my friends you know and just seeing wonderful characters walking along with their dogs it just used, yeah. used to make me smile and they'd be everywhere in all the cafes and I think gosh this is so different yes. from the UK I know there was a lot of dog poop on the pavement but it didn't really bother <laughs> me it didn't bother me I know people should pick up and, and they probably do more so now but it it is interesting all these these cultural differences isn't it yeah. you know pan-european yeah. differences yeah yeah, but schnauzers, you know, what would you say defines them? I know a few, so I'd love to hear your thoughts. What what is it? Well, the miniature schnauzers, they I mean, all the schnauzers, all the breeds, all the sizes are real characters in different ways. And actually one of the misconceptions sometimes, and I I, I was guilty of this as well, is just thinking that they're different sizes of the same character. So okay, if you you know, I can't have a large dog where I live but I have a small version in the mini but that's a really that's wrong <laughs> they are quite different in their characters so the minis are the ones I'm most familiar with um they are I mean to say what defines them I don't know they're often described as stubborn but I think compared to something like a basset hound they're probably not <laughs> um but they are intelligent if you don't channel that intelligence they can be quite naughty mm. um one thing they are known for is that they are quite noisy. They are vocal dogs, which can be channeled. They don't, I mean, I have got four vocal ones, so I'm not the best person to kind of like talk about how you channel their noise. Um, <laughs> but they can be quite yappy. So on a Schnauzer Fest walk where you've got like 20, 30 all together, it's noisy to start with. And then when they get walking, they're fine. The standard Schnauzers, I've a very good friend of mine, Annabelle, has, has a couple of standard Schnauzers. 
And they are really good characters in terms of their, their stubbornness, <laughs> their kind of determination to do things their way, which of course, again, if they're not trained or they're not with the right, in the right home or in the right environment can be problematic. Um, but I mean, they're handsome, handsome dogs. And then you've got the giant schnauzers who are absolutely majestic. I love the giant schnauzers. I can't see myself ever having one, but they are absolutely beautiful, stunning dogs used as police dogs in Germany, I think, by tradition. Mm, um, yeah, so no, they are. I think still today, to be fair, Janetta, they're, they're a very powerful dog, yet also classified as utility in the kennel club <laughs> world. So I like that group anyway, you know, even though they're quite terrier and hound yeah. mixed you know as but but bred with these qualities to be really great working dogs but something um always interests me are the eyebrows yes <laughs> yes they always have this funny look about them especially um well they do it with all the the with all three sizes but they have this grumpy face even though they're not grumpy hmm. um, they can look really frowny because of the eyebrows especially when they're classically trimmed I don't particularly classically trim mine mainly because I'm too kind of lazy to do it properly and there isn't a good groomer around me um, but they even if they are quite happy inside I mean they're, they're happy dogs they're happy characterful little dogs they do do an amazing grumpy look so yeah they're, they're quite well known for that with their beards as well. grumpy old men even when they're a little petite female yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they do need a lot of grooming, don't they? Because, uh, yeah, they don't naturally shed, do they, Chanelzas, too much? It contributes to their popularity and hence sometimes their exploitation in the puppy farming industry because people believe them to be hypoallergenic because they don't shed. So when people want these kind of like non-shedding breeds, they often go for the miniature Chanelzas. But yeah, their coat needs maintenance. They, it's something that people should always consider when they're taking on a schnauzer of any other sizes. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What would you say, though, to somebody thinking about adopting an ex-puppy farm bred puppy? They should be aware that the dog may never be what might be considered a normal dog because they don't know what being, they don't know what being a dog is when they're in the puppy farm. Um, so they... To, ha to adopt an ex-breeding dog, you need to go into it with the knowledge that the dog has never lived in a home, has never lived around humans. So humans will um, invariably um, be very scary for a, a puppy farm dog. Um, and with the best one in the world, you, you can't assume that they're going to appreciate that your love and attention. It has to be... Um, I think you have to adopt a dog from a puppy farm background, knowing that you may, no, may never have a dog that will sit on your knee or sit beside you or that you can cuddle. Of course, that's not always the case. And some friends who've adopted puppy farm dogs have really affectionate um, dogs they've rehabilitated. But you should go into it with your eyes open and know that love is not going to be enough. Everybody says, you know, all you need to give them is lots of love. Sometimes that can be terrifying to a dog from their background. They don't understand the concept of love. Mm -hmm. um, they've, never, they've never been loved. So they, they, it, will, it will scare them to death if you try and shower them with affection. Um, so I think, I mean, it's extremely rewarding. And I think if you have a quiet home, uh, a quiet life, a life that you can dedicate to them, um, then it's a really good way to um, to offer a dog a, a real chance at, at living as a dog should live. 
um, which of course the porcupine dog really does not all the time they're kept in the breathing industry, more so than other rescue dogs. I mean, I mean, street dogs have it tough, um, but they do live like dogs. They are out and about living like dogs, you know, rough lives, but they're still living. A, a puppy farm dog is confined. I mean, they're confined in, in dark crates. And I mean, going back to Ireland, some of the conditions in the puppy farms in Ireland are absolutely terrible. They're literally in tiny boxes and never see daylight or any light. So to take a dog from that kind of environment and put it into a home, you need to be fully aware that that dog is going to come to you with problems which may be li lifelong for them. But they, with the, right, with the right care and the right love, they will come around to a degree. Yes. Yeah, it takes time. And as you say, not to overwhelm them and, you know, let them come to you really as always you know how I like to approach dogs they make the choices and yeah, those do. choices are then rewarded and bit by bit the learning develops but yes it is a mess out there and I think the pandemic has done real harm real mm. harm and I just hope that we can see the way forward and help man's best friend stay by our sides and, and for us to do the right thing by them. Yes, yes, I agree. I agree. And everything that, anything that anyone can do that, that is a positive thing around dogs and to try and raise awareness of how to source a dog well and responsibly and be ethical about it is something that we can all do. We can all do it and we can just educate ourselves a bit and then educate the next person. That's what Schnauzer Vest is always, always sort of like trying to put the message out that it's down to us all to do something and we can do something every day. Um, it doesn't have to be a big thing we do. It's just telling people about the, the state of, of, of life for breeding dogs and, this, and how to source a dog well or how to adopt and be patient when you want to adopt a dog. That's another thing people get very impatient about sourcing a dog, whether it's a puppy or rescue, but you know, that's a dog that will be with you hopefully for many years. So you should be prepared to take a bit of time, whether that's adopting or buying a puppy. I know. Well, Janetta, I really believe we've lost sight of what dogs really are. You know, I, I think, think a lot has changed in um, quite a negative way. And mm -hmm. years ago before the internet, you know, existed, that, that was great. But now we buy everything on the internet and we just assume we should buy dogs on the internet like we buy everything else, which of course is massively wrong. Um, but I do feel government is doing a lot. They are on the side of dogs at long last. So at least, you know, in the last year, change has happened, even though mm -hmm. people have been campaigning to stop puppy farms. Well, really, since, you know, they really began after the mad cow, um, mm -hmm. you know, outbreak, when farmers were encouraged to use, you know, their outbuildings because they had to kill all their cows for other purposes. And that then began the whole puppy farming industry which of course never never existed before so it's an interesting it, it's very complex and but how can people get hold of Susie Bell's book that you wrote Janetta the the the, the best place I'm going to say is the Schnauzerfest website because all proceeds any anything bought on our website all the proceeds are donated to the charity including the books so schnauzerfest.org you, you go to our shop and you can buy all my books on there. Fantastic. And what are you working on at the moment? I'm working on a, on a new book, actually. I, I had one come out this year, which is a, a short guide to actually helping to rehabilitate a puppy farm dog. Um, oh. 
but it's not from a professional point of view. It's purely to give some tips and advice, really, distilled from many people. So that came out earlier this year, available on the Schnatzfuss website. And I'm working on my next one, which is more like a memoir, really, I suppose, which is my journey into this and what Susie Bell brought to me and what, hopefully, I can now offer to other people um, so that that some kind of difference can be made. Oh, gosh, definitely. Well, I really hope change can happen. And Janessa, I'd love to read your next book. And I'm sure all the tips you're giving, you know, are heartfelt and really brilliant. And everyone should really take advice from somebody who's who's been there and done it and okay. got the legacy. And Susie Bell is always giving you the inspiration to carry on. She is. She is. Oh, well, thank you, Janetta, for sharing this today. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. Hey, Mr. Binks, that's our show. What did you think? Yes, I know. The whole puppy farming industry is a little bit depressing, to say the least. Oh, yes, Mr. Binks, you're right. It is time for Woof of the Week. Who knew that four French Bulldog puppies could have a street value in London of £40,000, which is the same as a kilo of cocaine? Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks, of course, to Janetta Harvey for joining us today. And all the links to Schnauzer Fest and more are in the show notes. Thanks to Mike Hansen, my very patient producer. You can find out more about him and Pod People Productions at Pod People UK. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, we will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now so you'll never miss another show? Bye for now. Bye for now.